Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. This week, uh, we chose the 2014 film As Above, So Below. This is a movie that has been on my list for a while, and uh, Craig, actually you chose it from our list of films. I'm curious, what drove you to this particular one this week? I know we were kind of at a last-minute dash to find something uh, quick, but this was on our list, and you picked it out. What what made you decide, uh, this is the one for this week? <laughs> I'm, I'm not accusing you. Let me put it that way. <laughs> because um, on paper, by the way, this movie looks like it would be fantastic. It does. And okay, so that's the thing. Like, I remember the ad campaign when it came out, and like the preview looked pretty good. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was kind of a last minute deal. We were trying to figure out you know, what we were going to do. And before Todd moved to China, uh, he had me make a list of things that we might potentially want to do. And he kind of tried to load up uh, a hard drive uh, of movies for me. And the reason that I picked this one was because it started with an A. oh my god (laughs) and it was really early on the list (laughs) you just gave up right you just pulled up the the window (laughs) you're like a guy taking a random stab at a chinese menu hoping like he's gonna get something good (laughs) pretty pretty much (laughs) wow success or failure craig <laughs> oh man, gosh, I have to tell you. Uh seriously, like the preview looked good and um I I can see how they could uh edit together a pretty good preview from this movie cuz uh there are some interesting visuals. Uh it's certainly enough to fill a 1 minute trailer and <laughs> that's about <laughs> Dude, I hated this movie. Oh, God. Oh, I hated it. I thought it was... We'll get into the specifics, but I just thought it was like one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen in my life. Now, it was horrible. I don't remember who put this on the list. I had this feeling when we started that it was me. Do you think it was you? I think it was me. I don't know. You can have the credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not passing around blame. I'm certainly not going to take credit. I'm pretty sure, though, however, I at least... Okay, so you saw the trailers for it. I know that I must have at some point, whether you put it on the list and I looked it up afterwards, or whether I put it on the list because it looked intriguing to me, I remember being really intrigued by the write-up of the premise to this movie, that these this group of people descend into the catacombs of Paris mm-hmm. to find the Philosopher's Stone and follow this sort of Dan Brown-esque series of clues uh, in order to get to it. And, and to me, I mean, you know, that's Indiana Jones, that's Tomb Raider. Sure. It just seemed really, really cool. And so I kept remembering this movie again and again. Oh, we need to watch that. We need to watch that. And we never did. And I was really excited to put it on this time. And then, as soon as it came on, I realized this was going to be a found footage movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. and, and I know you're not a huge fan. Everybody well, knows. I know that you're not a fan at all. But I've <laughs> really. been... But truly, in the act of doing this podcast, we have discovered some really good found yeah. footage movies, including true. a movie by the director of this film, John Eric Dowdle, who wrote the screenplay and um, directed this film, along with his brother, Drew Dowdle, uh, who wrote the screenplay. They did Quarantine, and as I remember, we loved Quarantine. Wait, did they do Quarantine or did they do Wreck? Wasn't Quarantine no. a remake of Wreck? Oh, 
<laughs> I think Sitting you're there right. behind your, your keyboard. That's hilarious. So wait a second. We watched Wreck. And we love Yeah, which Wreck. is a great movie. And Quarantine is just okay. Which oh. doesn't surprise me <laughs> that they that they did that movie too. That like, explains okay. so much. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. So the the thing about this is it should be super cool oh, because yeah. these apparently are the only folks who've ever give, been given permission by I don't know, the French government or the authorities, whomever it is, to actually film in these catacombs in Paris, which exists. They're real. You know, they're down there. Oh, yeah. Um, and and it's where, you know, I gosh, I, I really don't know the history. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't do any research <laughs> on this <laughs> movie at all. But I guess, you know, these they had such a problem with disposing of their dead, I guess. Like, they didn't have anywhere to put them. So they, they built these huge catacombs underneath the city of Paris. Um, and there are just, like, hundreds of thousands of bodies down there. And and they're there. And, just like, I, I, bones. I imagine, yeah, just, like, bones. You can and, tour and, them and look at them. And- yeah. And, and it, you know, it's not like a, a nice little American cemetery where everybody has, you know, their own plot or whatever. You know, like, it's just piles mounds of bones <laughs> and bodies as morbid as that is and you know they're actual people down there uh i don't want to trivialize it or anything but it, it's it's cool it, you know it's a it's a cool place it's a cool concept it should have been a really cool movie um but uh god i just oh i hate it <laughs> <laughs> The other cool part about it, though, is the notion. Okay, so it's a little stereotypical in that... uh, I shouldn't say stereotypical. It's a little derivative in the way that it kind of starts. And that is, in one sense, a knock on the movie, but it's also what I was looking forward to. If you like this sort of thing like I do, the Indiana Jones, the Tomb Raider, the Dan Brown type stuff, Mm -hmm. then you think you're just going to love this movie. Uh, It stars this woman named Scarlett (laughs) Marlowe. Which the name is a little silly. Um, who is an? Is that her? Is that the actress's name? No, that's the name of the character, Scarlett Marlowe. <laughs> oh my God! Who would actually name their child Scarlett Marlowe? <laughs> no, the actress is Perdita Weeks, and you know she's older than she looks. Actually, in this movie, she's in Ready Player One. She was Kira in Ready Player One that just came out. Oh, but she goes back to like Spice World. She was in Spice World. She's done quite a bit of TV. Actually, I I, I really liked her. One of the things I could say about this movie is I didn't think that she was terrible in this. I didn't think she was fantastic, but I wasn't offended by her performance. Fair enough, but, like, she's supposed... Oh, gosh. She's supposed to be, like, she's got, like, seven PhDs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, her character, for sure. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, she, it, you say she's older than she looks. I don't have any idea how old she is, but she looks like she's about twenty four. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be, you know, terribly critical. She's lovely. She's a, a very pretty lady. But like, no, no. <laughs> I don't believe this for a second that you are some genius, seven times PhD. False. Don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Just get down into the catacombs already. <laughs> <laughs> 
she has a British accent. She is such a Laura Croft ripoff. It's kind of funny. And, and down to the fact that apparently she's super rich and she has a father who was a, um, an academic who was searching his whole life, apparently, for this philosopher's stone. Ended up killing himself. You, you hear all about this just kind of in the first few minutes of the movie because they're interviewing her, right? Right. The found footage thing. And she's a scholar and like one of her degrees is in symbology, which I don't think exists, but you know, that's the same thing that the Dan Brown characters supposedly has a, you know, is a specialist in and she studies alchemy or yeah, I mean, I mean it's a real s- thing. Like, no, of course it's not. It's like stupid. I mean, that might be something that like somebody specializes in if they're a history major. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it just. I I'm sorry. Like, I'm so naive. But like, they are looking for this philosopher's stone that was invented by Nicholas Flamel. I legit thought that that was all just made up Harry Potter stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is this a Harry Potter movie? I didn't know that these were actually real things and real people. Um, But yeah, that's what she's looking for. And apparently like the Philosopher's Stone, it can turn base metals into gold. And so it can grant you all these riches. And then I I guess it's like the, also the key to immortality or something. Yeah. Uh, and the, and like well the stupid thing about it is if you were truly a scholar and have all these PhDs of all these things you would know this is bullshit like yes. <laughs> you, you might be interested in finding some stuff that Nicholas Flamel did or maybe some of his lost papers or something but you wouldn't actually believe that such a thing would exist yeah and I'm jumping around and I apologize but like she she hooks up with this friend, you know, like they obviously have some history, which is alluded to early on, and then, you know, kind of gets flushed out later. Like, they have some sort of, like, romantic history or whatever. Um, this guy named George. And uh, she she gets it, George to help her, because uh, apparently these inscriptions that she's found, it starts out with her, like, she's looking for something in Iran, and, like, it's a big idea, a big deal that she's there because it's illegal for her to be there as a woman or something. But she, she finds these inscriptions, but they have to be translated. I didn't even understand what, like, they weren't in Aramaic, but they had to be translated through Aramaic or something, and, like, Aramaic is the one language that she doesn't speak, and so she gets her friend George to do it. Um, <laughs> and so they end up, like, you know, she gets him, and uh, he's reluctant, like, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, okay, fine, I guess, because you're cute or whatever. Yeah. And what made me so mad, Todd, This this is the thing that infuriated me about this movie is that he translates this stuff out of Aramaic and it rhymes I know. in English. I know. That doesn't even make any sense. I know. <laughs> I had my head in my hands at that point. I said, are you freaking kidding me? No, you're absolutely right. Winged vulture leads the way with, uh, with brightest light in darkest day. Underneath the heaven's rain what is lost shall be regained. Halfway twixt the darkest gate, and this tablet laid atop a parid fate. <laughs> and, but, you know, this kind of gets to the point of why this movie just doesn't click is because this should not be a found footage film. This uh-huh. is where, you know, if you have very little money, 
but you have this awesome idea for this amazing globetrotting adventure that you know culminates in the Paris catacombs with all these riddles and these clues and things like that. That's a big budget globetrotting movie, right? Yeah. And if you don't have any money and you think, let's save some money by making this a found footage film, you're leading yourself down the wrong path. And this movie is the perfect example why this doesn't work. And also, unfortunately, it kind of lays bare how stupid all of these movies kind of are if you really try to think through them logically and put them in reality. Mm -hmm. The way that this movie starts with her going in, it's kind of exciting. She finds the thing or whatever. And then she's having this dialogue with the cameraman about mm -hmm. like the thoughts off the top of her head about how it's not, how it's in Aramaic and whatever and he's like do you speak Aramaic and she's like no but I do know someone who but does. George does. <laughs> yeah. And you know, at this point in any other movie, you know, like an Indiana Jones movie or whatever, I mean, this is so cliche, right? Suddenly you'd be like whisking away, like halfway across the globe. Yeah. And you'd immediately be thrown into some, there's, there's somebody working on some crazy ass thing somewhere else, right? Some hyper genius, whatever, who's, who has his own thing. And then the protagonist of the story comes in and it's clear that they have this, this history that goes back. That's just implied by their dialogue. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they try to do that same thing here, but because it's a guy shooting all this with a handy cam, it doesn't come off. Mm -mm. So they go to this church, which is apparently where this dude is working. And the dude's name is uh, George. George. And she breaks in the door. And the guy's like, dude, you're, you're breaking into the church. What are you doing? She's like, ah, whatever. I got to go up and see him. She climbs the stairs up to the top where this guy is working on these church bells. And, you know, he comes out and he's played by um, a, uh, an actor named Ben Feldman. And I was like, oh, I know this guy. I, I know this guy. Like, I've seen this. He was a really good character in something. Um, he was in Mad Men. Did you watch Mad Men? No. Oh, fantastic. He was handsome, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, he looks like he could be um, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s like son or something, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Good-looking guy. Yeah, he played um, uh, one of my favorite characters in Mad Men, Michael Ginsberg. Anyway, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. I really liked him, and I was kind of surprised to find a guy I recognized in this movie, to be completely honest. And, you know, he comes out, and he's all dingy and dirty, and he's, like, been working on the bells. Hi. How are you? Whatever it is, I want nothing to do with it. I didn't even I'll say I'll save you the time. No. <laughs> Who's this guy? Who are you? I'm Benji. Oh. He's making a documentary about my search for the stone. Ah, uh, of course. Do yourself a favor. Stay far away from this one. I just need to ask you one yeah. favor. Just one favor. Benji, did she mention you? The last time we were together, I literally wound up in a Turkish prison? Oh, George, it was not a prison. It was more of a jail. But all this is filmed by, like, again, a guy, like, he's filming some two people talking at a party. Mm -hmm. And then, finally, like, the bells start ringing, and he runs outside, and he looks down, and kind of looks up in joy at the bells ringing, and the camera zooms down at some people who seem shocked at, down in the street looking up. And she makes some comment, like, Oh, wow, they look so surprised. And he says, yeah, that's the look of these people who haven't heard their bells, you know, their church bells ring in 500 years or something. So, like, he's this amazing mechanical genius who mm -hmm. fixed the bells for them. And once again, in any other movie, this would have been like, a, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's cool. You know, this kind of punches it. But again, yeah. just, it, just, it just doesn't feel cinematic. 
No, and it and it plays out to nothing. Yeah, like, like the fact that he, you know, has all this mechanical skill or whatever, never comes up again. These characters, and I feel like they tried to give them depth, like that actually is central to the plot in the end that they have these backstories, but it's just it just seems so forced and like yeah. they they are just they're so flat and like that guy the the I think it's the guy who's making the documentary about what I don't know like he's just following <laughs> this girl around with the camera Benji like he, one would hope that he would be an interesting character but he's not he's no. just the guy behind the camera who follows them around, like you don't even see him until halfway through the movie. Yeah, seems like, no. and and so so then they hook up with like they have to find I don't know some like cool hipster. <laughs> I, I mean, what do you even say? I mean, like they have to like oh we have to find like the like they go down into like a tour of the catacombs, like a a, a touristy tour that you or I would go on, but that's not good enough. Like they have to, you know, go into the forbidden areas. And so they have to find like this cool guy at a club who like knows the catacombs. Like what? Like, (laughs) 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 like this, like this 20 something club kid who like is just happens to be an expert. Like he just hangs out down there or something. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And like, like, it's like maybe suggested that he's kind of like uh, a graffiti artist or something because he tags everything where he goes and but it's it's so derivative and and stupid and then they introduce far too many characters I I couldn't even couldn't even remember like I did. No, I and I didn't even know like like who all was in the group. An hour into the movie, <laughs> an hour into the movie, I didn't even know who all was down there with yeah. them. Like I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I swear to you, there was at one point toward the end when the, there were only three of them left, and yeah. one of them walks away, and I was like, "Who was that guy?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't even know, and you don't care no. like well uh, it, it doesn't make sense these people are far too young to have all these skills and knowledge that they're purported to have it's one of those films where they walk through and they're solving these riddles and these puzzles as they're getting deeper and deeper into the catacombs and they're able to call up ancient texts and verses and things at the drop of a hat between the two of them you know like they're two people who are you know in, in the middle of studying for an archaeology exam or something like that and, and reviewing and yeah. finishing each other's sentences for them like they're so in sync like maybe one of these people could be crazy ridiculous antisocial enough that that's their whole life but like for two of them to be that way you know he pulls out a map of the catacombs and he sits down and he's like well such history says that such and such happened Mm -hmm. here and then there was this cave in here so it must be here and then another person chimes in well it could be there because i know that this leads to there and this doesn't lead to there and then the dude who knows the tunnels is like but there's nothing there he's like what i could find a way and you know it just kind of all comes so cleanly together in the course of yeah, 30 seconds. That was the other that was right. That was the other thing that was so frustrating. Like supposedly, you know, they get down there and they're going to find these secret passageways that nobody's been in for like 600 years or whatever, but it takes them absolutely no effort whatsoever. <laughs> like any at any point when they come across something like, "Oh, this is mysterious. Oh, I just figured it out." Like yeah. like like in 3 seconds. Like there's no way 
that nobody else has been down there if it was that freaking easy to find. True. Like, <laughs> they're walking. It's so stupid. The, the worst part that they have to do is they have to crawl over some bones, which they uh-huh. make this huge deal about how they have to crawl over these bones. There are bones all around them. They're in <laughs> the catacombs. These people are students of history and supposedly super smart. How are they suddenly getting freaked out by this this knowledge that apparently that they just realized they're going to have to crawl across, over some bones? Mm-hmm. So it's either go through this one tunnel, which has been sealed up, which they'd have to break through, or crawl over some bones. The guy who knows the catacombs says, we need to crawl over the bones. The woman says, who suddenly knows the catacombs better than this guy, who they needed to get down there, Mm -hmm. says, no, this is the much shorter way. And he says, we can't go that way. Well, why not? Because it's evil. It's evil. (laughs) It's an an evil corridor. (laughs) The evil corridor, right? He had a friend who went down there. We had a friend named Latop. In English, Latop say, uh, the mole. He lived down here for years. He knew every corridor of every system except this one. He knew there was something horrible down there. But eventually he had to see what it was. He went inside and nobody has seen him since. Right. Oh, and, my God. and, you know, here's another thing where it, it, it really should have been a very cool premise. Now, I... Again, I'm not very schooled in this area. I've I've never read Dante's Inferno. Like I know, you know, the general things about it, like the nine circles of hell or whatever, but in Okay, I lied. I said I didn't do any research. I was just gonna I say, did read You're gonna bring this up, aren't you? I know. I oh. did read the IMDB trivia briefly because it was long and I didn't care, but um <laughs> so like supposedly, you know, like they're supposed to be descending through the nine levels of hell. Um, And when you read about it in the IMDb trivia, it sounds interesting, but it doesn't read in the movie at all. Like, I I didn't get that at all. When they're down there, they keep seeing weird things, but because it's all, you know, handheld camera, it's all found footage, like, you just get these very, very brief glimpses of, like, spooky things. Oh, for, for, you know, a split second, I saw a creepy kid in the corner, or for a split second, I saw some guy that we've never seen before sitting in a chair, like, but... I, in watching the movie, I had no idea what was going on. I, you know, I had no idea who that was supposed to be, and it was so fast, and it was so dark, and, and it didn't matter. No, yeah. and and it didn't, and it didn't really play out very much at all. I mean, uh, uh, eventually, what happens is like supposedly, and again, even in reading about it, I'm like, oh. That's what was going on? Like, <laughs> I guess uh, all of these people in descending through these nine layers of or levels of hell or whatever, they all have some sin that they're concealing. They have to either acknowledge it or and repent for it or they die. And so some of them die and some of them don't. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and none of that is even remotely obvious. Or even no. remotely necessary to start thinking about until the last 10 minutes of the movie. Right. So unless you go back and you read the trivia on the IMDb page about all of these interesting connections to Dante's Inferno, you would never know. And like you said, it doesn't even matter. Mm-mm. And that's one of the problems with this movie. It's I'm just thinking like, okay, to take a damn brown. Take like um, Angels and Demons, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the fun of that movie 
there's like this path of the Illuminati that they're following, right? And they're going to all these different sculptures and places around Venice. Like, that's the point of the film, right? Mm -hmm. And you're learning about it along with the characters. And so you're able to kind of solve these puzzles and, and maybe try to get ahead of them or try to piece things together. Or at least, you know, there's a satisfying aspect of going through the mystery with them. Sure. What's the point of basing this on Dante's Seven Layers of Hell or whatever if if you as the viewer can't kind of go through this? You know, there's no point in this movie where anyone says, and, and a good point would have been when they go through an area that says, abandon hope all ye who enter here. Mm-hmm. You know, they even make mention, is this the gateway to hell or whatever? And you're kind of thinking that maybe that's the direction this, this movie is going. These PhDs and five different things who seemed to know everything about everything else, could have started piecing together this aspect of the mystery of, of what's happening and maybe making mention of it. And I actually kind of would have gone along with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, would have, I would have respected the movie more if that wasn't some fun little writer's thing that, mm-hmm. that they just kind of did and hid from the audience, as opposed to it could have been an aspect of the plot that would have pulled me through it and kept me engaged and kept me interested and that there's a and it would have at least given me a reason for all this stuff that's going on. But like you said, it just seems like a like a bunch of random crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's derivative, and that's the you thing. know. It's just Yeah, and I don't know if we were supposed to be <sighs> Like I, I can't in Dante's tell. Inferno like, enough to be able yeah. to put that together. <laughs> right. Like I, I can't even tell if we're supposed to be in on it. I can't oh, tell I if the so. characters are in on it. Like mm. I didn't get the sense that they even really understood what was happening. To be fair, I guess there are some interesting visuals, but you can't just throw together I mean, I guess you can. They did. You just throw together, a f- you know, a few interesting visuals and then, like, r- r- try to tie that together and call it a plot because it's just not. Like, yeah. And, and because it's so obscure and you're really not sure what's going on and, and they try to explain things, but I feel like they explain things after the fact. Mm-hmm. They're in these underground catacombs, and part of them are underwater, so they have to like you know swim around in these catacombs and stuff. Again, it sounds great on paper, but it's just boring. <laughs> when they're underwater, like you know, some spirit or something grabs somebody, and then we find out later that somebody's George's, I think, brother drowned, and that's what he feels guilty about because he left him behind. Um, not intentionally, like he was going to get help or whatever, but he got lost, and so like that's his sin. Like he abandoned his brother or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at 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 some point, there's a uh, a car on fire and somebody burning up in the car. All of this down in the catacombs, which again, like should like they took a freaking car down into those catacombs and set it on fire. Like that should have been super freaking cool, but. It was just so random. Like, what is happening? I don't don't even understand. I felt like the supernatural stuff almost was more of a letdown than the stuff that preceded it. You know, we we talk about the descent and how much we love the descent. Yeah. And I think 
at least I, and I think both of us maintain that some of the scariest stuff that happens in the descent is before the monsters even come out, right? Yeah. It's oh, just the yeah. atmosphere. It's the, the, the claustrophobia, the, claustrophobia, the, the cave-ins. This, I mean, the fact they can't get back and, and they're trying to get, I mean, it's just, it's just super messed up and you can totally relate to it. They're in the catacombs under France and somehow they manage to make this seem boring. Like, mm-hmm. like you're just wandering around through a haunted house. And at, at first, I was, I was trying to get into it. I was thinking it was going to be kind of like the descent in that the first half was going to be these puzzles and these clues that they had to piece together. The second half would be supernatural, but I'd probably enjoy the first half the most, you know, like mm-hmm, like a computer mm-hmm. adventure game, like these puzzles. But that just highlighted how lousy this whole... First of all, I think the scale of it. If you're going to do a movie like this where you're going in and there are these ancient people who've built all these, these clever traps and these these puzzles and things to hide, you know, their treasure... It's got to be at a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. I think I'm convinced of that now. It just has to be. There's got to be a point where you wander into a giant room that's that's 15 stories tall, that's hidden under the earth, that nobody's seen for hundreds of years, with things you got to swing across and crap like you know, one-eyed Willie ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. The the pit, the snake pit in Indiana Jones. Like you've got to have big set pieces like that. And this movie doesn't have anything like that. And so it's quote-unquote big set pieces when they're going through. It's just like another room. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, gosh, I, I'm I'm not going to try to give this movie too much credit, but maybe that was some sort of, gosh, a, a limitation sure. based on what they had available because, you know, well, they sure. really were down there. You know, maybe, and, you know, as cool as it is that they were really down there, maybe it would have been wise of them to film what they could down there and yeah. then also have some big set pieces. Because ultimately, like, they'll go into a room and then they'll crawl over some bones or, like, swim, you know, through a flooded tunnel or something. And then it's like, oh, look. We're back in the same room we were just in. Yeah, you are, and that's not at all interesting. Like, <laughs> that is boring as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll go into these rooms, and there will be some riddle. It's like, it's a dead end. No, there's got to be a way. Look around, and there's a scarab, like, carved in the wall. Scarab. Um, Egyptians. Pyramids. Pharaohs. 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 Didn't pharaohs have some kind of... Like a strange way of, of hiding the tombs? Yes, yes, they a Ptolemaic hinge. I have never, I've never seen. Could this be? Uh, one second, can you just explain what, what are you talking about? Yes. What's okay. a Ptolemaic? Ptolemaic hinge. Basically, they form a kind of riddle. It's a sort of um, ancient Egyptian padlocks. You have to take the exact right stone from the exact right place, or or what? The ceiling will collapse on you and kill you. Jesus. What? Are you kidding? You have to be shitting me. Look, it's fine. It's okay. Underneath heaven's rain. Underneath heaven's rain. Celestial spheres. The celestial spheres. Eight planets, right? Wait, wait, wait. Um, but the last two weren't discovered yet. Okay, so six planets. Six planets. One, two, three, four, wait, five, wait, 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 wait. Scarlet, 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 yeah, Scarlet. Don't touch anything. Was this built before or after Copernicus? And like all of this happens in the course of ten Second. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I know. And that just, for me, that just highlights how this doesn't work. Uh-huh. First of all, the room is like half the size of my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And second of all, 
they blow through it. It's like, you know that scene in Indiana Jones where he puts the staff in and the light shines through and it shows him where to, you know, uh-huh. to dig or whatever. It's like if that scene, instead of him, you know, creeping down there, coming up there, measuring the staff out, finding the right hole, putting it in, that beam of light comes in, you know, the music swells up, we get these dramatic angles and as the sunlight so slowly comes across and it's just a really dramatic scene. It's like if you took that and instead, it was like four twenty-somethings who run in, and they're like, "Oh, this must be the room." Yeah, this is it. Do you have the staff? Yeah, I got the staff. Well, good. I've got this thing. Maybe we should put on the staff. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, which hole do we put it in? It's number four. Oh no, 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 no. Wait. Remember the ancient poem? Oh yeah. It's not four. <laughs> four is five. That's right. Put it in hole five. Okay. Here we go. Beam of light comes in. There it is. Let's go. Yeah. Even if they were that smart to figure it out one would think that they wouldn't be so reckless like and and that's just it, it's just so unbelievable like yeah. it's just so unbelievable i get it she's excited you know she's gonna find this magic rock that is amazing or whatever great you're super excited but seriously if nobody's been down there for 700 years what is your freaking hurry yeah Take a minute. Like, <laughs> maybe double check your work in this case before you just start ripping out, oh, well, you know, it's just this one stone, and if I pull out the wrong one, we're all dead. But I'm pretty sure it's this one. Like, <laughs> come on. And the other people who are down there with her are, are just idiots, and like, they, no, don't do it. Oh, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> thank goodness that worked that's right <sighs> and it all just seems so lame because it's shot through somebody's handy cam yeah yeah and 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 their head you know like he puts uh head cameras on them and i am not i like i i don't hate found footage and in, in fact i've recently watched some found footage movies that i thought were you know pretty creative and especially if you're working on a small budget you know it saves a lot of money um (laughs) sure and it it can be effective but you're right it just didn't work here and if this movie had been good which i think that it had the potential to be it wouldn't have been found footage. It, yeah. it would have been, you know, more uh, traditionally shot, and and I think that that could have made it better. As it turns out, it doesn't really matter because it was so poorly written. Like God, I, I just can't get over it. Sorry, guys out there, like that. I'm being so <laughs> negative about it, but honestly, you know, we watch. Uh, a lot of movies that we go in knowing they're going to be bad and that's okay and and can even be fun sometimes but it's kind of like this movie just didn't have any excuse like yeah. y- you seem like you've got a decent budget you were given permission to actually go down into this historical site cool concept um, yeah you just failed miserably congratulations <laughs> <laughs> It, and, and I have to say, while we're on the subject of the of the for, of the format not working, um, this has to be another one of those where if I had seen it on a big screen, I would be losing my lunch. I mean, 
the camera whips around so much. Uh-huh. But I was watching on a small computer screen. Thankfully, I didn't plug it into my bigger TV or else uh, I think, yeah, I would have had to take a few pauses in this one. And that doesn't normally bother me too much, but in this case, it was right. just so obvious that it did bother me a little bit. Well, and the jerking around doesn't typically bother me all that much. And like, I, you know, it, it didn't bother me in a physical sense in this movie either. But um, as the camera was jerking around so much, like I said before, every once in a while, you'll just catch a glimpse of something that's supposed to be scary, like something that's not supposed to be there. And that happens all the time, especially in these found footage movies. But it wasn't scary because I didn't have any idea what I was seeing. And like there was little to no explanation and maybe – in fairness, you know, by the time I was an hour in, I just so didn't care that, like, I don't, I don't care who that spooky kid is that I just saw in a quick flash. You know, I don't. It, oh, there's a guy burning up in a car. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Next room, please. It comes so out of left field, and it's not forecast. You know, in literature and in films, there is foreshadowing, and it's done for a reason. Yeah. And this movie had no foreshadowing of anything. No, and I've said it before, and so I I hate to be redundant, but it it seemed like they tried later to explain things. But, like, it's too late. Like, Mm -hmm. it already happened. I don't care now. I don't even know how many of them were down there. I, I think that it was the two, it was George and Scarlett, and then they had the camera guy, Benji. And then I think there were three others, but I kept getting... There was another woman. The other two guys, there was like, one of them's name was Papillon, which I thought was hilarious. Isn't that kind of like a little dog? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Papillon, uh, Suxi, and Zed. Yes. Um, but I couldn't keep trap track of them and i i kept confusing papillon and zed they may as well have been the same character because i couldn't distinguish them at all when they're down there you know uh, like i said before like supposedly they're going through the nine levels of dante's inferno of hell or whatever and i guess because i read it later like suxi uh gets violently killed on the fourth level which is supposed to be Violence, violence. I yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, whatever. And Zed gets killed at some point, I think. And um, Benji uh, gets killed at some point. Um, and if you read online about the events that surround their deaths, like there's supposedly some explanation for each one, but it went it flew right over my head i had no idea um and the another thing that gosh i i can't believe i'm saying this because i don't want to admit that i was actually moved to irritation by this movie but i was <laughs> like like they're supposed to be down there like they're in france and they're supposed to be down there in you know these french catacombs or whatever and they're translating aramaic for a long time but then the further the deeper down they go like did they dig to egypt because then all of a sudden everything is egyptian egyptian like what yeah. there're just so many things that stretch credulity and you're willing to give i mean you know it's a movie so of course you're willing to okay yeah. philosopher's stone okay so she finds this philosopher's stone somebody gets hurt and she holds the stone against the person and it heals i will say that this is a really risky thing to do with the found footage movie. 
the very nature of found footage is a kind of realism. Mm-hmm. And so when ghosts and things are different, you know, because it's like a supernatural, we're kind of unsure about. But but when you're talking like real magic, it's really hard to, I think it just doesn't really fit with this medium really well. And it just feels a little off when she does this. But I was willing to give it a bit of a pass. Okay, well, I guess it's the stone. I mean, there's no special effects or anything. There's no real. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know how they. I don't know how they did that. I mean, because like the first, she heals. I, I feel like Suxi, like breaks her arm or something, and and she heals it with the stone. And like you know, in in one moment, the arm is like broken and bloody, and then she like passes the stone over it, and it's fine. And mm-hmm. and you know, but, I don't know how they did that. You know, it was relatively convincing. But again, it's like, well, this is a, this was Shouse. And that's like, okay, let's go. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah. it, it's not a big moment. It's just something that happens and they go on. Later on in the movie, they discover that she doesn't have the real philosopher's stone. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. That I, I accidentally grabbed a fake one. Like, so <laughs> why did it heal her at, at first? So it only works once? Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's a fake one that just works once. Like, it's like a trick fake okay. stone. It's like, those, <laughs> it's like those birthday candles that you blow out, but they come back on, but they blow out. Uh, really? I mean, it's just it's so lame. And, yeah, and I'm only saying that because I read it. Like, I, I in the trivia online, I read that. Well, the first stone that she finds is a fake one that only works once. Well, how in God's name would anybody know that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention because seriously, by that point, I was pretty much tuned out. I'm like, oh my God, just be over already. I'm and, done. And what sense does that even make? <laughs> like, you create a stone that can heal people, and then you'll create a stone that'll heal people <laughs> once. <laughs> like, really? What kind of amazing... Uh, like, that seems like it would be even harder to make than the stone that heals people all the time. <laughs> yeah, at some point at some point when there's only the three of them left, when it's just uh Papillon and Suxi and George left, George gets hurt, um, and she's like, Oh, uh I just realized this isn't the real stone, it's just a fake one, so I'm gonna have to run back and get the other one. <laughs> and like she runs back. They have spelunked through this huge shaft. I know. Th- then she climbs up like she's a freaking American Ninja Warrior or something, and all this stuff. Yeah, and and just like runs back and grabs it. Like they like they've been making their way through these catacombs for the whole movie. And there's oh, hold on a second, I have to run back. And she just <laughs> runs back really quick. And I I don't know if it was supposed to be symbolism or or what, but like she gets there and like she's looking for the real stone and she can't find it, but she finds a mirror and she looks at herself in the mirror. And again, just from reading the trivia um i read that the 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 philosopher's stone is not an actual concrete object it's inside you like okay (laughs) (laughs) well then i guess you just wasted a whole lot of freaking time down in those catacombs she just needed to look into a mirror and believe in herself (laughs) (laughs) which is i think exactly what it said in the trivia (laughs) so she goes down and now she is the philosopher's stone she can heal by the touch of her hand okay so there are two things that 
okay, I laughed out loud. First of all, I was like, you're you're kidding me that she's really just going to blast through all this. I thought for sure that she was just going to get more and more lost. Couldn't believe that that actually happened. But a couple scenes before this, they had gone through this harrowing experience where there were these faces coming out of the rocks. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason that he's injured is this big rock monster thing like it's like a guy looks like a rock person rock zombie or something comes out and attacks his friend and so as she's running back through all this she blasts by satan in the satan chair she blasts by all this and then like the rock monster's in front of her and it's like she just punches it or something and it falls down and she runs past it like it's just nothing and then she comes back from the thing and again rock monster comes and she just punches it and runs by. <laughs> it all happened so fast that I do, I didn't even notice. I didn't even know what was going Twice. on. Like I was <clears throat> I was reading the stuff online and they're like, oh, and then there was Satan in the Satan chair. I'm like, there was? Like I feel like I didn't even remember. Uh, gosh, oh. it's it's. The other so thing, silly. the other thing that's so stupid is when they, you know, he tells a story about his friend Latop or whatever who who went down there and they never saw him. You know, yeah. he was down there two years ago. And after they crawl through the bone shaft, and two things happen. There's another person down there, and it's this guy. Yeah. And he's like, "You? You're here? I thought you were dead." <laughs> nope, I'm not. <laughs> okay, we'll follow you. Like, really? What the hell? I know. God, there were so many things like that. Like, even when they very first go down there, one of the first things that they encounter is, like, some group of people holding, like, a black mass. And the guy who's leading them down there is like, There is always some weird people down here. Writes it off. Like, oh, yeah, don't mind them. They're just having a black mass. <laughs> they do that. They do that. It's weird people down here like my friend for the past two years who yeah. <laughs> just been wandering. <laughs> yeah, so uh, some of them die, some of them don't, and then eventually, like, they f- they get to another shaft, which I'm sure is just the same shaft that they've gone down, like, four times already, um, and somehow they figure out the girl, because she can just figure out anything at the drop of a hat. She's like, oh... We have to jump in there. And they're like, you're crazy. It's a big, huge shaft. And they're like, no. Or she's like, yeah, we have, to, we have to confess our sins and then jump in there. And they're like, okay. I don't know. George confesses that he, again, inadvertently left his brother to die like he was going to go get help. But he got lost and he didn't get back in time. So that was his big sin. And Pap uh, says that he has a kid, but he has denied that it's his and that's his big sin. What was hers? I don't even, Oh, she, her, uh, her dad tried to, her dad. Yeah. Her dad committed suicide and she didn't take his phone call. Yeah. He had tried to call her, which I guess maybe explains the phone that was ringing down there in the catacombs at some point. Oh, good point. Thank you for putting that together for me because, and I'm thinking you're in hell. You're supposed to confess your sins. How do you know which of your sins you're supposed to confess? Like is, yeah. Is each of these the the worst thing that they've done? Are they only supposed to I confess was gonna say. one? Are they, do they need to go through a laundry list? Shouldn't you do at least two or three in case those are the ones yeah. that matter? 
And if if those are the worst things that they've ever done, they're pretty they're probably, decent people. They're really great. <laughs> they don't deserve to be going through hell in the first place. I I neglected to take a phone call. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So they confess their sins and then they jump in this hole and like it's ten seconds of what looks like falling. And then they, I don't even know, they end up in, like, some room or something, and, like, I think the hole closes up behind them, so they're kind of freaked out about that, but they realize that there's some sort of hole in the floor, but it's covered with what ends up being, a like, a manhole cover, Um but they're they're trying and trying to pull it up, but it won't come up, and then they realize if they push it, it will go down, and like when they push it, they can see light coming up or whatever. Um, and again, in theory, this is kind of a cool concept. Like what happens is, and I guess this comes from the Inferno. You know, after you jump down this pit in hell or whatever, then gravity is reversed, um, and that's what happens to them. Like they're pushing down, but when they come out on the other side, they're actually coming up out of the ground. And they come up out of the ground, apparently in Paris, apparently everything's, you know, normal. I, I kind of expected, I expected it to be a fake out, like, uh-huh. I, yeah, I expected them to, like, be, you know, really stuck in some sort of hell world or something, I don't know. Um, but apparently it wasn't, and so um, they just stand there and look at each other for a second, and then Pap just turns around and walks away. Uh, and George and Scarlet hug. Yeah. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the interview footage from the very beginning of the movie, which was of no consequence. Yeah. Like, it was just... It it was a lame ending to a lame movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I was glad it was over. (laughs) Well, there was no character journey. There was supposed to be, I guess, they all came to terms with their sin, except they did it in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. And until then, none of this was really leading them to that. This is just mm-hmm. something that she figured out last minute, and they were all like, okay, I guess we have nothing better to do, so let's do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we as the viewer could never have figured this out going through this. And everything that every single thing that we have been saying about Dante's Inferno comes from after Craig and I watched the movie, scratching our heads and looking to make some sense of this, went online and went to the IMDb trivia page, right. where I am sure the director of the film himself put all this crap in. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you'd have to have a degree, you know, in four different yeah. um, four different degrees in order to piece this together that it has anything, because the movie itself makes no mention of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that you're not very smart, but I think of myself <laughs> as being True. a relatively intelligent and fairly well-educated person. For sure. Um, and, and, you know, I would never count myself an expert in that arena, but seriously, like, if if I was supposed to get it, I I totally missed it. Like, I, I had no idea I would have never made that connection and well uh, even if you had made the connection what difference would it have made it's fun trivia aside from the fact that okay i guess the whole movie was these people making a journey through hell 
the details of it really didn't end up mattering. It's just some stuff they saw. Yeah, but even then, like, if if that's the case, like, if that's what they were going for, like, they were going through these nine levels of hell, like, it, it, it didn't seem that particularly hellish. It just looked like they were you know? walking around in some tunnels. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and again, like, the, the, the catacombs, you know, that's... A, a, a cool thing, and yeah, we actually got to see some of the bones and stuff sometimes, but most of the time it just kind of looked like they were walking around in the sewer. Like, could have been anything. That's not good enough. <laughs> you didn't even see a lot of bones and skeletons. I mean, I expected not really. to see a lot of stuff, and you know, it was just it was just rock walls, and yep. a lot of it looked exactly the same. I mean, they were probably mm-hmm. going through the same areas. In fact, they were. Marking. I'm sure they were. Yeah, so. Oh, what a lot of potential completely wasted, you know? I'm glad that you at least felt the same way that I did because I just, when it was over, I was just, God, that was bad. Like, I just didn't like it at all. Uh, and it's, and it, it is too bad. You know, it did have a lot of potential. It, um, I'm not even, a, I'm not even going to do my normal thing where I'm like, well, <laughs> the act the acting wasn't horrible like i'm not even going to bother with that it was just bad listeners if you haven't watched it i don't recommend it it was yeah it wasn't fun no no it's irritating actually you're confused most of the time it's it really asks you to make it has a lot of ridiculous things that happen all throughout. It really stretches credulity a lot. And then the found footage aspect of it just throws cold water on anything fun that could be in there. Um, yep. It's just not cinematic or exciting or anything like that. You know, it just it just points out to me, like, you can't just take a particular genre and say, hey, let's do it in this way. And sometimes it's never going to work. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll work someday. Maybe somebody will figure out how to make this kind of movie. Um, you know, shot on a handy cam, look thrilling and exciting. But I'm thoroughly convinced that this is why these kind of movies are more cinematic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because the director, I was going back through his stuff, aside from Quarantine, which we never did see, he did a movie called Devil. Have you seen that one? That one takes place in an elevator. Yeah, I saw it. It was all right. I kind of liked that one. I mean, I, it wasn't yeah. the best movie I'd seen, but I came away from it thinking it was kind of clever. And, 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 you know, kind of unique. You know, mm-hmm. it was all done in, uh, you know, that very claustrophobic space of the elevator. And that's that's different. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked that. So, I mean, I hold out some hope for this for this team, the Dowdle Brothers or whatever they call themselves. Mm-hmm. But this this is this is definitely not um, going to win them any Oscars for sure. No. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We sure hope you enjoyed the episode more than we enjoyed this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us online on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever your favorite podcasts are. You can also find our website, twoguys.red40net.com, where we not only have past episodes of our podcast, but also a few written movie reviews for you to watch. Find us on Facebook as well. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Have a lot of fun watching those written reviews. <laughs> I told you. I told you he wasn't smart, folks. <laughs> you heard it from me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys in a chainsaw.